Come on, how many love Jesus? No, 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 no. I, I said, do you love Jesus today? Where are my Jesus freaks at? Come on, somebody. Amen, amen. Come on, I love Jesus, and I love Jimmy. He's a man of God, a man of integrity, a man of honor, and a halfway decent chess player, as it turns out. And so, hey, I'm excited to be back at Grace Life and uh, to be part of your global outreach. And uh, see, I, I just believe that prayer is the foundation of all effective outreach. Oh, wow, where are my intercessors at? Okay, all right, see, before Jesus said, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, he said, pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest field. As soon as you walk out that doors, that's the harvest field. Where you work, where you play, where you live, where you go to school, Walmart, everywhere you go, that is the harvest field. And I think I used to believe that if I prayed, God would send somebody to Japan. But what I realize is when I pray, I become the missionary. When I pray, prayer moves me to mission because real prayer, birthed by the Spirit, always moves me to mission. And if you pray and you're not moved to mission, you're just talking. Come on, somebody help me out today. Because in the Bible, when they prayed, prayer moved them to do something. See, the church was birthed in a prayer meeting. <laughs> and we wonder why we don't have the, the book of Acts results today. We've gotten so far away from the book of Acts. See, everything they did was birthed by prayer and sustained by prayer. The book of Acts is one big, long prayer meeting. And the story of Acts is what happened in between prayer meetings. The church is birthed in a prayer meeting, but prayer moved them to mission. And they started in the prayer room. They took it to the streets. By the end of the day, 3,000 people had been water baptized. Come on, are you with me? So prayer moves us to mission. So today I want to talk to you about this idea of prayer moving us to care for the people around us to care for our neighbors, to actually break bread with our classmates and our teammates and our friends and our family members and our coworkers and realize that I'm on mission. I am on mission. <laughs> I'm here on earth because God wants me to take other people with me to heaven. God wants me to help expand and grow his family. Are you with me today? So stand with me today. Uh, unless you're watching at home, you don't have to stand at home. That'd just be awkward, all right? And so we're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, all right? Uh, I urge them, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession, thanksgiving to be made for. Say it with me real loud. Come on, all people. This time in your out loud voices, say, all people. That was good. I think you can do better, though. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to give you another chance. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. This is good. Why would we try and pray for all people? It says, this is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants, say it with me real loud, Grace Life, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Who does God want saved? Your mother-in-law? That boss that hasn't given you a raise in 18 stinking years, the guy who laid you off, that neighbor who leaves beer cans in your, yeah, he wants all of them to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Verse five, for there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom. Here's your, here's your part. See it real loud for. All, all right, awesome. Touch your neighbor and say all people. Touch your other neighbor, the good-looking one, and say, all people. All right, awesome. Give two people a high five as you grab your seats in the presence of God. 
First Timothy 2, 1 through 6, Paul uses this phrase, all people, three times. First of all, he says, pray for all people. Pray for all people. Why? Because God wants all people to be saved. Not all people will be saved, but God wants them all to be saved. His blood is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for all, and he invites everyone into the family. God has enough room in his heart for all 8 billion people, and he knows them all by name. Number three, because Jesus gave his life as a ransom for, say it with me one more time, all people. Now, typically in the New Testament, you see the phrase all nations, all creatures, all people. It's this Greek word ethne that just means ethnic groups or language groups, people groups. But, but here Paul uses a different word by the Spirit of God. He uses a Greek word anthropos, which we get our English word anthropology. That just means every human being. So listen to this. Paul, by the Spirit of God, is anointed to say, pray for every man, every woman, and every child. That we know of in history, no generation has prayed for everyone alive in that generation personally. Because to say, you know, God, move in India. Well, that's great. But there's 1.4 billion people in, just in India. God, move in China. Well, there's 1.2 billion Chinese and God knows them personally. God calls them by name. And so what if we could be the first generation to pray for everyone alive personally? Why would we do that? That's crazy because this pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. Because when you pray for somebody, it changes your heart toward them. You start to care for them and it opens their heart to the gospel. And so we're on a mission to pray for 8 billion people by name and share Jesus with them. The initiative is just called Pray for All, right from the Bible, Pray for All People. So prayforall.com, I get to be a part of that movement. And this year we're gonna pray for 570 million people by name. That, would, that was your chance to just say, wow, God, you're awesome. <laughs> 570 million people by name in 80 countries. And we started two years ago. Come on, somebody, in the middle of COVID, we started and we couldn't travel and people were scared, but we just said, hey, the Bible says pray for all people. What if we took God at his word? What could he do, all right? And so here's the big idea today, just real simple, big idea. Everyone can reach someone and together we can reach everyone. Everyone can reach someone, together we can reach the whole world. All right, so who's your someone? Who are you gonna bring to the feet of Jesus this year? Who are you gonna be intentional about bringing to Jesus? And so we use a real simple strategy called BLESS. I didn't come up with it. It's been around a long time. My good friend Dave Ferguson wrote a book on it called BLESS. And it's just this acronym, this strategy called BLESS. Touch your neighbor and say, bless you. All right, touch the other one and say, bless you. All right, so BLESS is an acronym. It's just a simple plan for personal evangelism. All right, and the, the B stands for begin with prayer. Say it with me, say begin with prayer. All right, one more time, begin with prayer. So who you pray for, watch me, you care for. Who you pray for, you begin to care for. All right. When you pray for people by name, God moves on your heart to love them and he begins to open their heart to the gospel. And we believe it's more effective when you pray for people by name because anybody you love, you pray for them by name. Right? It's not like, God, help my kids. It's like, God, be with Chloe. God, be with Colin. Be with Lauren. Anybody you love, you know their name. And we can't reach people unless we love them. You can't reach people. You can't win them to Christ unless you genuinely love them. And it starts by praying for them by name. If you pray for them every day by name, you, God begins to put his love in their hearts. When their name is on your lips, God puts his love in your heart for them. That's how that works. 
Isaiah 43, 1, the Lord called me before my birth when the womb he called me by name. God knows you by name. Out of 8 billion people, God knows your name. He knows your story. He knows your destiny. He wrote a book about your life and God cares about you personally. You matter to God. And so does everyone that you will ever meet. So, you know, I'd, I'd been a pastor for a number of years and leading a big missions group and teaching all around the world and preaching at crusades. I was an evangelist and, and loving it. And I got convicted one day that even though I was preaching at crusades and people were getting saved at altar calls, I was not in a relationship with anyone far from God. All my friends were Christians. I hung out with Christian people and we did Christian stuff and we watched cheesy Christian movies together. Uh, thank God for the 90s. I don't want to relive that, Jimmy, all right? And, uh, you know, and I got convicted one day and it was like, you're teaching evangelism. You're not actually living evangelism. And I thought, Lord, I don't have any unsaved, all my unsaved friends have either gotten saved or cut me off. So I, there's no one left that, I, that I'm in a relationship with. So I thought, how am I going to make some unsaved friends? In our neighborhood, it was an older neighborhood. There was no one my age. I was about 27 then. And, and so I thought, I'm going to go to college. Right? I, had a, I already had a master's degree, but I'll, I'll go back, get my undergraduate, took a, an interpersonal communication course at, at a community college. And so I went there, and the, I love communication. So the first day, Dr. Lisa says, all right, stand up and say your name and describe yourself in one word and, and uh, where you work and what you're passionate about. And, uh, you know, most of the kids had never been in public speaking class. They're like, uh, my name's Mike. I don't know what was the second thing, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be cake. You know, I'm a public speaker. And so, you know, I got up and I'm like, my name's Brian Allard. And if I could describe myself in one word, it's passionate. And I'm a pastor. And, you know, my passion is helping everyone know that Jesus loves them. <laughs> Stinking crickets. It was like... All, everyone turns around and looks at me like, yo, homie, sit down. You know, I was like, that was not smooth. That was the opposite of smooth. And I sat down and everyone's like, okay, well, next, you know. And then we had to break into small groups and no one let me be in their small group. It was, uh, it was a small group of one. It was like, I'm reliving middle school all over again. And uh, so at the end of class, I'm like, oh, man, that was a disaster. <laughs> and so I'm walking out of class get out of there. And Dr. Lisa's like, Allard, get back in here. I'm like, oh no. And she's like, hey, I just want you to know I don't tolerate any religious intolerance. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, some of you, some of you'll get that on the way home. And I'll say, I am so sorry. I don't know what that was. I didn't mean to do that. I'm, I'm really not like one of those religious freaks. I'm not, I'm not religious at all. I just happen to love Jesus, but I'm like, you're not going to, she's like, hey, I will, I will kick you out of my class today. So if you're going to be a problem, just drop the class today. And I was like, Dr. Lisa, I am so sorry. That was, I don't know what that was. I'm so sorry. And, and uh, you're not gonna have a problem with me. She goes, you know, cause I used to be a Christian. I was like, okay. And she goes, but now I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Fair enough. And, uh, and she said, but I believe if there is a God, she's a woman. Um, okay. Hey, well, great to meet you. Thanks. I'll see you Thursday. She goes, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't that offend you? Um, no. Why not? I'm sorry, what's happening here? Do you want me to be offended? I, I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> For a minute ago, you were saying you don't tolerate religious intolerance. Now, I'm not sure what's happening here. So, And uh, she goes, well, every other Christian I've said that to got really angry at me. And uh, doesn't that bother you? No. Why not? I just said there's no God, but if there's a God, she's a woman. 
And I was like, L listen, Dr. Lisa, I don't wanna get into religious debate with you. Here's, here's what I know. Jesus loves you and he's in heaven and he died for you and he doesn't have an identity crisis. He knows who he is and he's not worried by any doubts that you might have. And if you think he doesn't exist, that's okay. He still exists. And if you think he's a woman, that's okay because he created us male and female in his image. And so that's okay, Lisa. However you wanna think about God or not think about God is okay. And because he loves you and has a great plan for your life. So, hey, have a great day. She's like, what? You know, and I'm like, I just, let's not get and do this. And so I went home that day and I wrote Lisa's name down and I began praying for her by name. And I thought, well, I wasn't planning on reaching the teacher. I was just trying to make some friends and like, no one wants to be my friend. So I guess I'm going to try and reach Lisa. And so I started praying for her every day by name, every morning, every evening we would pray for Lisa. And you know what happened? Um, we had coffee. She came to our home for dinner. We actually became friends. Her and my wife really hit it off. My wife's a professor. And uh, by the end of the semester, she said, hey, could I take you and Mercy to Olive Garden? And uh, there over Fred Eugene Alfredi, Lisa gave her life to Jesus Christ. Lisa became a follower of Jesus. So I'm still not sure, you know, about all that stuff. And, and I said, that's okay. I'm not sure about all that stuff. You know, like, you know, it's okay. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. And she wept over Alfredo and gave her life to Christ. Amen. So who you pray for, you care for, right? So B stands for begin with prayer. And L stands for listen to them. Touch your neighbor and say, listen to them. All right. So begin with prayer and listen to to them. You really got to listen with empathy and compassion and get to know their story and their hurts. By listening to Lisa's story, I knew that a man had hurt her. <laughs> Obviously, some male, I don't know if it was her dad or her first husband or a brother, somebody hurt her. And so if you listen to the pain and you don't judge and you don't try and fix people, nobody wants you to fix them, okay? How does that work in marriage? Not so well, does it? All right. Mercy's, I'm like, baby, here's what we're going to do. No, 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 no. I just want you to listen. Don't fix me. Don't fix the problem. I'm like, that's what I do. That's why you call me. You know, I called you because you're my husband. I'm like, crap. You know, okay, babe. So nobody wants you to fix them. They want you to listen and to care and don't shut them down. And, you know, we believe that the key to effective evangelism is authentic relationships. And watch this. Relationships are built. How? One conversation at a time. One conversation at a time. And so get to know them. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be quick to listen. And don't give people all the answers, all right? And just really get to know them and get to know their hurts and their doubts and uh, engage with them and validate how they feel and, and earn their trust, okay? Trust the Holy Spirit. And that he can do the work that he wants to do. And he doesn't need you to solve it all in one, in one day or in one conversation. All right. See, what we do so often is, man, how'd that USC do yesterday? 63 points they dropped on Tennessee. All right. You, you got to play the whole football field. If someone's on the one yard line and we got to get them 99 yards down the field to into the end zone of grace, into the end zone of God's family, don't try and get them there in one conversation. Throwing a 99-yard pass on the first plays, maybe not the best strategy every time. But, you know, run the ball, maybe gain three or four yards, 
Maybe the next time you run another football, you run it again and you get tackled and you, you lose some ground. That's how it happens in life, right? Sometimes you have progress, sometimes you go back, but just little by little, you move the football down the field. All right, it's the same with people. They have hurts, they have ideas, they have pain, and you can't get them there using one conversation. And so play the whole football field, just love on them and, and befriend them and earn their trust. And little by little, and you may not be the person that gets to run the ball into the end zone, it might be somebody else because evangelism is a team sport, all right? And I can't save anybody. It's all my job is to love on people and share God's love with them. And it's up to God to save them. All right. And, but I used to play like every play was like, all right, Hey, nice to meet you. You know, Hey, nice to meet you. Did you know you're a sinner? Did you know you're going to hell? Well, you go to hell. It's like, whoa, Hey, don't get offended. You know, uh, did you know you're a sinner? Well, yeah. To point it out. Uh, do you want to accept Christ? Heck no. You know, it's like you judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. I shake my dust and I move on to somebody else, you know? But I've learned over time, you gotta play the whole football field and you gotta just take it slow, baby. Despacito. <laughs> you guys know the song. All right, we'll talk about that later. All right, so uh, B stands for begin with prayer. L stands for listen to them. E stands for eat with them. Everybody say that, eat with them. In his book, A Meal with Jesus, Tim Chester makes this great statement. He says that Jesus did evangelism and discipleship around a table with some grilled fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine. So here's the idea. You're going to have about 21 meals a week, some more, some less. Could you share one of those meals with someone far from God? Like for the rest of your life. Make a commitment that for the rest of your life, out of 21 meals, share one. If my math is right, that's less than 4%, okay? Just one meal a week, one breakfast, one lunch, or one dinner with someone far from God, someone who doesn't think like you, vote like you, dress like you, think like you, someone who's not yet in the family of God and make a priority to do that every single week. I have to calendar it because if I don't, it won't happen because I work with all Christian leaders and all my friends are Christian friends. So I've had to make a priority to befriend some people far from God. And now I have about 10 unsaved pagans that I'm working with that are my friends. And I calendar in lunches, coffees, dinners. I'm flying tonight to Austin to take a friend of mine to breakfast tomorrow who's far from God. I don't need to be in Austin. I need to be in Oklahoma City on Monday night. But I'm making a trip especially to Austin so I can take a friend who's far from God. Because I know those two hours over breakfast uh, might help him take one more step. I don't know where his end zone is. I'm just going to love him one step at a time, one step at a time, one conversation at a time and work him all the way until the Holy Spirit leads him in to the field of grace. Are you with me today? And so we got to eat with him. So one meal a week. What if we all did that? 52 meals, every one of you next year. And if you're in middle school, high school, that's someone at your school who may not be in your friend group, who may not be a follower of Christ and just, hey, you want to eat? You want to hang out? You want to go to Starbucks? You want to go to Mickey D's? Do people still do that? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> we used to do Mickey D's. So now my family's in Guatemala and they're doing Mickey D's again. I'm like, oh, heck no. So anyway, uh, just take time. Go to Chick-fil-A. There we go. There we go. It's the Lord's chicken, all right? And, uh, and break, break chicken with him, all right? Matthew 9, 10 says later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house, with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. Jesus was brilliant. With Zacchaeus, he said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come into your house tonight for dinner. 
And there over dinner, he led Zacchaeus to Christ and Zacchaeus' friends. He didn't start with, hey, Zacchaeus, you know what? You're far from God, you're a sinner. <laughs> he started with friendship. He started with, hey, let's eat together. I'm coming to your house for dinner. He did this with Matthew. Jesus was so brilliant, so strategic, so intentional, so loving, so full of grace. He's my hero. He went to Matthew's house so that he could lead Matthew and Matthew's friends to Christ. So who are you gonna break bread with this week, all right? S stands for, say with me, serve them. So begin with prayer. L, listen to them, E, eat with them. S, serve them. Find a need in their life and meet it. <laughs> Find an itch and scratch it, all right? Find something in their life, some way to serve them. Because Jesus modeled that the best way to reach people is to serve them. Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So if you really want to reach people, serve them, find a need in their life and either meet that need or connect them to someone who can meet that need, right? I, there's a lot of needs I can't meet, but I might know somebody who can help them meet that need. And so find a need in their life and meet it or connect them to somebody who can. So serve them, serve them well. And then the last S stands for, say it with me real loud, share Jesus. Come on, one more time. So I'm going to share Jesus. All right, share what Jesus has done in your life and invite them into a relationship with Jesus. Evangelism is simple. Discipleship is complicated and complex. Evangelism is really simple. It's telling people what God's done in your life. One of the most effective evangelists in the Bible is a woman, we don't even know her name. We just know she was at a well. We know that she had five failed marriages and she was shacked up with a guy. And Jesus came and had a conversation with her and this is a conversation no other rabbi would have had a conversation with. And his disciples are scandalized. Hey, what are you doing here with this woman? They're scandalized by the fact that he's there hanging out with her. But Jesus approached people and loved people that religious leaders would never touch because he loved everyone. He was inclusive and he cared deeply about this woman. And she was rocked by Christ in John chapter four. And she went and told all her friends, John 4, 28, 29, what Jesus had done for her. She didn't understand the Trinity. I'd like to meet the person who does, okay? <laughs> we serve one God who exists in three persons. I get that. That's complicated. I don't fully understand that. I won't fully understand that until I get to heaven. She hadn't been to doctrine class, new believer class, new member class, growth track. She just knew that Jesus, grace and hope and love showed up at a well. And he loved her the way no one had ever loved her. He saw through her sin and her pain and her failure and loved her as a human being. And it changed her life. Radical grace changed her life. And she wanted to bring all her friends out to meet Jesus. So evangelism is just simply telling people what Jesus has done in your life. So bless stands for, say it with me, begin with prayer. Come on out in your out loud voices, say begin with prayer. Say listen to them. Eat with them, serve them, and share Jesus. So I want to invite you today to make five lifestyle commitments, okay? Five lifestyle commitments. The first lifestyle, the first verb, the first daily habit is pray. Everyone say pray. Pray for them. Pray for one or two or three, or maybe God would stretch you to pray for five people a day. How many want to be stretched today and make a big impact with your life for eternity? So at least pray for one a day. 
What if God would stretch you to take five minutes a day? Everyone wave, wave your hands at me. Wave your, wave your hand at me. Five fingers. If you only have four fingers, borrow one from the other hand. It's okay, all right? So wave five fingers. Say, take five minutes a day and pray for five people. It's that simple. Five minutes a day and pray for five people by name. Five people by name. Pray for them. Number two, everybody say, listen. So you got to pray for them every day by name and then listen to them, have relationship and, and really don't try and tell them all the answers, but really get to know their story and their hurts and their pains. And then number three, eat with them. So everybody say eat. All right. How many of you eat every day? About a third of you. That, hey, I, I, see, I see that hand. Thank you, bro. One honest young man in the house with the hat on backwards. You are so cool, bro. That is so cool. If you feel like God's moving you to give me that hat after service, just let, let God speak to you. No? All right, we're going to do an altar call. God might talk to you, son. All right. Uh, eat with them. And then the fourth verb is serve. Everybody say serve. All right. So serve them. Find something in their life, how you can serve them, meet a need. And then the last S is share. Everyone say share. Just share Jesus. Share his love. Share what he's doing in your life. I have a friend of mine who's a CEO of a, of a major company. I won't say the company. It's a Fortune 500 company. And uh, spent a couple weeks ago, took him to a round table with some other, all other business leaders were Christian leaders. And we were just sharing and, and doing life and eating lunch together. And we did a tour of a factory. And afterwards, I, we met up for dinner. I said, so what'd you think of the day? And what stood out? And he goes, you know that part where you talked about that you were just going to love people to Jesus and not pressure them or force them? And he goes, you know, I'm not a... I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, but I think that'd be a lot more effective strategy than trying to pressure people and force them to have your role. But if you just love them, I could see like a lot of people like coming to Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, yes, and you're one of them, you know? And uh, I was like, hey, Simon, son of Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. I was like, come on, bro. I'm like, that's what stood out. You got that? Yes, that's what I'm doing with you right now, bro. And uh, it was just so simple, just love them and share. And so every time I'm with him, I just say, this is what God's doing in my life. I never force it, never pressure. We were walking out of the, out of the hotel, Omni Hotel, and he goes, hey man, pray for me. I'm trying to find my higher purpose. I made money more than I ever thought I'd make. Now I'm trying to find my higher purpose. I said, I'm praying for you every day. You know that, right? Tears starts to come down his face. He said, I know. I know you pray for me every day by name. That gives me a lot of hope. Who are you going to pray for? So I want you to stand to your feet. We have a QR code. If you know, if you don't have to do this, but if you want to get out your phone, you're welcome to do this. You could take a picture of it, scan it. If you don't know how to do that, ask a young person near you. Uh, when I forget how to do it, my kids <laughs> figure it out for me. And, um, you know, you can go to this website and you'll get weekly reminders, not daily. We're not going to bombard you. We're not going to sell your cell phone number. But if you want to take a picture of that, there's also an app called Pray For All. You can download in the app stores. Uh, but, but here's the idea, Mark chapter 2. There's a guy who the Bible says he was lame. Now, he wasn't, by, by, and by that we mean paralyzed, all right? And uh, his four friends, he couldn't get to Jesus. So four of his friends carried him to Jesus. They got to the house and it was packed. And so they tore through the roof. They literally raised the roof, all right? And they let him down and they got him to Jesus. You have family members, neighbors, coworkers who can't get to Jesus. 
They're paralyzed by hurt, by fear, by pain. They can't get to Jesus. And you're like, come on, just get to Jesus. They can't get there. They're paralyzed by depression. Paralyzed by hopelessness. It took four friends to carry this man to Jesus. And he both got healed and he got saved in the same day. So I want to ask you, who are you going to bring to Jesus? Don't do life alone. Bring someone along with you, not just a Christian. Bring someone who's far from God along with you. Bring them into your home. Bring them into the journey. Take them with you. Go to the movies. Take an unbeliever with you. There's going to be some uncomfortable words and conversations. It's okay. Be a big boy, okay? Put on your big boy pants, all right? And love people enough to love through that, to see through that. Who are you going to bring to Jesus in the next year? Maybe one, maybe two, maybe five. Who are you going to bring to Jesus? Don't go to heaven alone. Don't show up in heaven alone. Take somebody with you. Because right now there are people in your life paralyzed by hurt and fear and pain, suicide, depression, addiction. That was my brother John, heroin addict for 15 years. Went to prison, ironically, not for selling drugs for the cartel, for the cartel which he did, but for stealing my identity. That made Thanksgiving a little awkward and uh, went to prison for stealing my identity. But there in a little prison in Santa Fe in a prison cell in isolation, my brother John came back to Christ. Today he's a pastor, led a thousand people to Christ last year. One day we were driving in Albuquerque and he goes, I used to own that home. I'm like, you lived in this neighborhood? Well, I didn't live here, I owned it. I was, what did you do with it? You rented it out? He goes, no, it was one of my crack houses. I'm like, you owned crack houses? Who are you? You're like, you're the real Breaking Bad. Who are you, bro? You know? It's like, yeah, it was one of my crack houses that I used to own. I'm like, bro, what in the world? I was in Bible college, you know, and you were like owning crack houses, you know? Okay, bro. And, uh, but now he, he has seven rehab homes. What the devil meant for evil. Come on, somebody. God turns for good. Who are you going to bring to Jesus? I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray all across this room. Come on, raise your hands to heaven right now. God, let a burden from heaven come upon us to reach our neighbors and our friends and our family. This is Thanksgiving week. A good reach to love on. A good week to love on unsaved family members, co-workers, classmates, teammates. God, help us to get a burden for the people around us to go and impact the world around us. Touch us. Give us a burden from heaven. Touch our hearts today. Change us. Let us never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you're here today, the most important decision you can make is to choose Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, Brian, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I used to be a youth leader. I used to lead a camp. I used to be an elder today you're far from God. Maybe you're watching at home. Maybe you're here in person. Don't leave this room without getting right with God. If you're not in a right relationship with God, it's real simple. Two words. It's so easy a caveman can do it. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. It's not complicated. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? He's the Son of God. He's the Savior. Well, I don't know what I believe about evolution. I don't know what I believe about this. Who cares? You don't need to understand any of that or agree with any of that. 
Do you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord? It's that simple. And confess through the mouth, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. I've fallen short and I need hope today. I gave my life to Christ when I was four years old. I backslid. When I was 15 years old, I came back to Christ in a church service just like this. I've never looked back. It was 33 years ago. It's the best decision I ever made. I want to invite you to hope today. I want to invite you to grace today. I want to invite you to back into God's family, maybe for the first time, or maybe to come back to God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today you want to say, Brian, I want to, I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. Not, not asking you to join a church or join a religion. I'm saying, do you want Jesus? Do you want his grace? Do you want his forgiveness? Do you want hope? Do you want his peace? I'm going to count to three. If that's you all across this room, just raise your hand. When I get to three, if that's you, just raise your hand. Every eye's closed. You don't need to be embarrassed. I believe there's going to be many today that are going to respond, just like I did when I was 15. So here we go. One, I need every believer praying. Two, three, if that's you, just raise your hand all across the room. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else say today, thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else say today, I want to come to Jesus. Today is my day. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right, everybody, open your eyes. Everyone say Jesus. No, come on, say his name like you love him. Say Jesus. I believe you died on a cross for my sins, but three days later, you rose from the dead and became the Savior of the world. Come on, say today. Say today. I choose you as my Lord my Savior. Forgive me. Change me. Live inside me forever. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on all across this room. Take 15 seconds and give God